Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Do we have to do something crazy in order to have more meaning and purpose in our lives? Do our impulses mean we're self-absorbed or are they directed by forces beyond our understanding? And how would life be different if we were no longer trying to avoid discomfort or failure? My friend Teo Alfaro has had a remarkable path in life that includes deep spiritual training and lots of wolves. He's got a new book called The Wolf Connection. And today, we talk about living a life grounded with responsibilities while also having a rich experience of what lies beyond our mental construct of reality. Oh, there he is. Hey, brother. Look at this guy. Good to see you, man. It's It's, been a while. It's good to see you, man. It's good to see you. How is life treating you? Life is good. Life is good. You know, the thing that comes up for me is the guys that I talk to, so many of them have done well for themselves and they're like, okay, but now I don't have, I don't have that meaning. I don't have that sense of fulfillment. I don't have that depth in my life. And, and they're on this path and, you know, things outside of that path just seem crazy and insane. And then I know you and you run a sanctuary with wolves. <laughs> it's like, talk about the thing that, seems kind of insane and crazy, but is full of richness and depth and meaning. I I just, I never really got a sense of like your path and how you arrived at this mission. Cause most of us will never see a wolf, much less go to a sanctuary where these wolves are much less connect that to how you help people in their personal and spiritual transformation. So I want to know more about that. I want to hear more about your path in that regard. So take, walk me back before the wolf connection was created. Like what was your life at that time before you got like, what, what kind of path were you on at that time? So my path started many, many years ago, brother. Um, since my teen years, I've always been very interested in, um, esoteric traditions. Uh, so I read Hinduism and some Buddhism and, and uh, Celtic traditions and alchemy and all those things. So I, I was in a search. 
then my path took me into the army. So I was a military man for three years. And, and then uh, when I got out of the army, I, I started picking it back up. And in my time in the mountains, as a, after the army as a professional mountaineer in Patagonia, I came across the books of an author and teacher by the name of Carlos Castaneda. Mm-hmm. So what brought me to the States is to study with him. Okay. Right, so I came to the States after reading, reading his uh, 12 books. I, I remember closing the last one. I'm feeling it's time to stop reading and start doing. What was it about his work that appealed to you? What, 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 you know, if you were to go that deep into one teacher and one author, what was it that, that drew you to him? Every passage of the first book that I read um, was like an electric shock through my body. I remember the the first book that I read by him, uh, the name was um, The Fire From Within. And every paragraph would take me a week or two to digest. It was so rich and so impactful. It was the on- onslaughts of the spirit coming through that writing. And was it that it was different between how you were living and, and this opportunity or this possibility? Like, I, I want to kind of understand that gap a little bit there. Like, oh my gosh, this is such a shock to my system because it was such a new way of, of seeing things. Is that what you're saying? It was much more than a new way of seeing it. It was uh, opening up a whole realm of, uh, of, of being, right? I mean, the, his writings are straight up on, on some of the most impactful and far out shamanistic practices out there and um it spoke to me i mean I, I i don't know i don't even know how to i mean it's not something i can explain intellectually uh a, a lot of that i mean i was having an extraordinary life mm. i was uh um i never i'm not coming from a place of i don't like my life i wanted to change it i, I never had that ever mm. and I was a mountaineer, professional skier, living in a ski resort, girls, pouring, working out, climbing mountains. What is not to like? Okay. <laughs> right? That was my life. And then I come across this and, and I abandoned all that to go into a life of, uh, of um, austere training. Came okay. to the States. I, I left my business in, in South America. I came to the States. Um, I was washing cars for eight dollars an hour just to make a living and working, you know, from seven in the morning to three in the afternoon, getting at, at home, having a meal and then practicing the principles laid out by this man from five in the afternoon or six until three or four in the morning and sleeping a couple of hours to go back to work. And that was my life for many years. What was the, and you say you were up all night practicing. What, 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 can you give us an idea of what that meant? If we, if we saw you from the outside, you were practicing, what were you doing? Well, he laid out a set of uh, shamanic movements and, um, and practices that had to do with, uh, um, inner silence and then moving energy and recycling energy in the body with these movements. So I would practice those movements for many, many hours every day. Okay. All right. Yeah. And those movements, uh, start building, um, um, like a critical mass of energy in the body and eventually, um, allow for new openings. Okay. New openings meaning, uh, meaning the possibility to, to, uh, see beyond what the eyes can see. 
the possibility of receiving messages from from other realities or from the veil beyond the dead, the possibilities of uh, interacting with entities that are not commonly available for the regular human, yeah. the possibility of um, um, understanding the depth of uh, our our human condition. How old were you during this time? I moved to the States at the age of 27. That's 20 years ago this year. Okay. And, and, uh, and that, that, that type of practice lasted, uh, the better part of 10 years. Okay. So were you just in the States or were you working with a teacher at that time? Or you were all on your own? What, what was, what was, what was the sense of community that you had around the spiritual practice? Well, I got, um, I guess my in- intention and intent was powerful enough. I came to the States looking for this man, Carlos Castaneda. I wanted to study to meet him. When I arrived, he had just died a few months prior. But I was lucky enough to, he was a, a very secluded, very private, very secretive man, not easy to to find or get in t- contact with. But for some reason, among the first couple of people that I met in the States, uh, two of them were his direct apprentices. So I began uh, a journey of, of studying with them and then became more involved. And eventually I, I, I met a woman named Carlo Tix, which was a partner of Carlos Castaneda in his journey and apprenticeship. And I became a student of her. And, and, and with the years, I became a teacher of that work as well. For someone on the outside, what does it mean to be a student of the work, to, to work under a teacher like that? Because uh, some of us might think it's a cult, right? It's just like, oh, I give all my money to somebody. I can hear those types of thoughts coming. So what does it look like? To be a student in a tradition like this, um, and to be practicing underneath, you know, these apprentices and these teachers. Well, I had no money to give away, so that was a good, <laughs> <laughs> a good safeguard. I mean, you know, that told me that it was legit. <laughs> so all I had to give away was my arrogance, my pain in the assness, my feeling that I was the shit, <laughs> my, uh, you know, my hot headedness, and she took all of that. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, like the, those places in us where we're hard headed and we're a pain in the ass and we're a, a shit. Like, what does the process do? How, to, how to, can you walk us through, at least for your like what, what what it did to awaken and have you grow? Well, look, and they, and, until that point, I mean, I grew up in a in an environment that told me that I. I was the shit, you know, I, I mean, the, the, you know, the firstborn male in a big Italian family. Um, I went through through school like a breeze. Uh, I was performing highly in the military. Then I became a, you know, climb some of the highest mountains in the world and uh, skiing. And I got all the you know women. And so big dog. <laughs> n- nothing. Right. And. And, and then I, I, something grabbed me from this spiritual tradition. Something grabbed me in a way that I could not, uh, that didn't let me go. And so um, I came into, into my apprenticeship with all of that. I mean, thinking that I was going to go through this, uh, you know, like a breeze, that, I got, that I, I got it, you know. This is movement. Look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a professional athlete. Let me show you the movement. I can, you know kick and and move my arms and legs and stretch. I mean, I, right. And, you know, the, the spiritual journey, at least in my opinion, spiritual journey of my experience, spiritual journey of the, of the King 
is to give up the crown, become a peasant, to then come back up into a into a rebirth. Okay. Right. You um um. And and that's a, that's a lot less romantic than it sounds. It's grueling. Well, I was thinking about that. It's an ego death, right? It's a it's a it's a journey to to kill that old identity, essentially. And a lot of us, our our entire lives are designed to support that identity. See, look, I am enough. See, look, I am somebody. See, look, I am the best in my own little world. And you willingly walked into this process with that attachment, like, hey, this look at how I am. But there was something that drew you. Was, I'm trying, it was bigger than that, even though you knew it was ultimately going to destroy that. Does that make sense? Is that, does that align with your experience that, okay, if I go down this road, it's not, it's not going to end well for this part of me that thinks I'm the shit? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if I ever formulated that thought that just the way you just, you articulated it. I was hooked. I mean, Castaneda writes about this and, and over the years, you know, I wrote those, I read those books several times and no amount of reading will get to the insights that experience will give you. Mm-hmm. And, and at one point that, you know, his teacher tells him, you know, the, the, the spirit has, has grabbed you and, and, he has grabbed you in his merciless clutches and will not let you go. And, you know, the amount of times that my head told me, just tell everybody to go fuck themselves. I mean, you know, what, what I, you know, like I'm done, you know, I'm going to call them and I'm going to say this and that, and they don't see my worth and they don't see who, I mean, like all, I mean, the, the, the ego goes crazy, crazy, crazy. I was suicidal at the stages of the training. Mm. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But something kept you in. Yeah. I mean, it was something bigger than what I was in control of. Okay. There was something else. And it was the same with the walls. The walls, I came, I came in touch with the walls completely through the back door. I had no clue what I was doing and I could not say no. Mm. And I made every mistake in the book. I mean, every rookie, you know, I mean, just looking back, it just, it was a defining almost common sense. Some of the things I did with the walls trying to experiment. Mm. It's almost like the 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 psychic, the psychological setup changes in a way that that all this mental process. I mean, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Is this the right thing? It doesn't even occur. Right. You just you know jump into that water slide, and once you do the first step, you're committed all the way to the end. I mean, and it's, it's been the same both with my spiritual training and journey in the lineage of the, the, the sorcerers of ancient Mexico through Carlos Castaneda and with the, with yeah. the wolves. Yeah. I think it, the, the thing that makes sense to me sometimes is, is that, you know, from our perspective here on the planet earth, we can, we can see the moon eclipse the sun, even though the moon is much, much smaller than the, than the size of the sun. And it's like, we forget it, it's an illusion that that is the same as the sun. And I, it, I think it just gets in the way of, how enormous and how large this calling is, this connection that we have to this, that's much larger than that small self, that small self that's consumed with self-image and being comfortable and being liked and being accepted and all of those types of things. So at least that's how it makes sense to me is just like, yeah, it might look the same. It might, it, it might blot out that part of the sky that is full of light, but it's not the same. It's, it's much deeper that that light is much more profound and much more uh, massive than that, than that small self, if we're willing to see it from another perspective, that that helps me when I, when I get in touch with it that way. Yeah. And the perspective is, is gigantic. It's yes. almost, um, you're stepping out of the earth. 
you're stepping out of fear. You're stepping out of fear and, and that's that self that identification of self. But it's a lot more than that, uh, Trip. You're stepping out of fear. Castaneda speaks about this, you know, calls the fear the, the first the first enemy. But once you step out of free, fear, you gain clarity. So you can you can see. Mm. And that clarity becomes the second enemy because it makes you arrogant. And when you when you give up that 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 sense that you think you know everything, and it's beyond from the ego. I mean, that scene that we're talking about is a scene beyond what the eyes can see. So it can easily make one very arrogant. I've got it figured so, out. Right. At, at, at an energetic level. Imagine yeah. that that level of, you know. So once someone gives up that kind of uh, cockiness, then we gain power. And then power is the third enemy. Because it makes you a pain in the ass. I mean, you think, <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're like, Right. And and this is way beyond ego. It's not even it's not even ego configurations. It's just energetic configurations. Wow. And then when you gave you know you're just able to give up give up power and, and, and reach the level of humility. And, and he says you know the the fourth en- uh, enemy you can give you know overcome, which is old age. In his opinion, for me there is one more enemy because when you give up power, in my experience you reach a certain energetic freedom. And that freedom, you become attached to it. So in the name of freedom, we do a lot of stupid things as well. Like what? Can you give me, can you frame that? Well, freedom can be uh, an excuse to detach from uh, concerns of this world. And, and as long as we're here, it's... Um, at least as part of my tradition, I firmly believe we need to be peace, a, a part of this time and this world. So in the name of freedom, we give up possessions. I mean, the, the journey of the monk, we give up possessions, we give up attachment, we give up relationship, we give up uh, uh, worldly concerns. And, and I don't believe that could have been the journey in the past for certain sages and so on. I don't believe is the, is what, uh, Wisdom and sagehood is called up. It's called to be at this time. Are you saying that it's it's more of a return? I'm gonna, like a bodhisattva. I'm going to come back into this realm and I'm going to serve in this realm and and instead of I'm just going to extricate myself from it and go live in a cave up on the on the mountain. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to get too far away from the story that we were telling. So you're you're in your late twenties. You're going through these trainings and. And that's the life, right? And, and so what, what starts to evolve from that place for you? Well, I became a teacher. I traveled around the world teaching for, for years. Um, I, um, as part of the work, I had to figure out business. And I mean, it's a very practical application of these shamanistic, shamanistic practices, so uh, I launched some businesses, I crushed some, I succeeded in some. And one of the concepts of the lineage is finding the path with heart. So the principle behind that is every path leads nowhere. They're all the same. You know, in the world of energy, there's no positive and negative. I mean, it's all about choice. And so you can choose any path, but if I find a path that has a heart, makes it more enjoyable than others. 
and and teaching has been that for me. And Wolf Connection has been the the ultimate expression of that path with heart for me. It was a it was a medium that allowed me to bring my love from animals, my love from for humans, my knowledge in the outdoors and mountaineering, my um, um, my love for nature, all in one place. So Wolf Connection became a hub for a destination for uh, human enlightenment and growth and, and knowledge and, and realization in the company of these animals that have been, you know, with us, accompanying us in our journey for, for millennia. So let's go there, because you said you fell, in, in my own words, you kind of fell ass backwards into working with the wolves. And so it's not that people, t- most of us will go through our lives without ever seeing a wolf. So how did, how did wolves become a part of your life? What was that? What happened there? Well, again, something that, you know, um, I have, I have, I have pledged my life to two things for a long time. One is I've pledged my life to increasing consciousness in this world. That's, that's what my life is about. Until I pledge my life to being of service to the next generation. So those things I knew about me. And I knew that that's what I'm here to do. That's the path of heart. Right. How that was going to manifest, I had no clue. In the midst of this, I am working as an interventionist for Hollywood families and their teenagers. I'm a mentor in foster care uh, cases. I'm, I'm advising uh, the judge in court cases for foster care, uh, you know, um, family court. So I come across a friend of mine calls me one day saying that he has some wolf puppies in his, in his trunk. Do you want to see them? I'm sure. So it turns out he was dating a woman that he was breeding some, uh, wolf dog mixes in his backyard, in her backyard. And she, he was trying to help her sell them. So Soon enough, I'm in my front yard playing with three little four-week-old, you know, uh, <laughs> wolf pups. So one of them, a little white and gray cotton ball, she had a pink collar uh, named Tala. She was playing, jumping into a pond I had in my yard, getting me all wet. I mean, I loved her instantly. And she, I told my friend, I mean, I don't have time for a pet right now, but if I were to pick one, it would be this one. But no, thank you. So long story short, uh, my friend ends up keeping her. Uh, he had other dogs that they were getting into fights. So Tala got hurt one day, and I told my friend to um, bring Tala to my house. I, I'll keep her for a couple of days until things calm down. <laughs> right? And that first night, this, this little thing about this big, um, it begins howling. Outside my, it was just my kitchen, so it was howling, and I hear her from my bedroom and uh, that peers through me, just similar to the effect that reading those Carlos Castaneda books in the early years uh, had. Wow. It was, uh, it was a, a, like a, I experienced it as, a, as an opening, as a, an expansion of my body, as an opening of the heart, and, and like an electric current going from the back of my neck down my spine into my legs. Wow. It's a, it's, that's that's how, it, how it comes through. And so I kept her. And I kept her and I began looking for a playmate for her. And in that search, I find a pack of 16 wolves and wolf dogs coming from a hoarder situation. They they were being held at a rescue center. And 
So I come to rescue one, and instead of rescuing, I, again, my heart opens up, I feel this, this pull, and I stayed and volunteered. And three months into my volunteering, I'm talking to the woman that's running the place, and she, uh, we're talking about the weather, I mean, just trivial conversation. And I open my mouth, and these words come out of my mouth. I say, you know, all my life, I wanted to start a wall sanctuary. Today, I cannot tell you, I still cannot tell you who spoke through me. All was, my it life. Wo- was, it the, was it the wolves? <laughs> was it my own bullshitting? I have no, no, I mean, what I know is that those words were true at the moment I spoke them. Uh-huh. Uh, of course it wasn't. I mean, I, it's never been in my, my vision board. I never thought I was standing at wall center until that particular moment. Yeah. And, um, but my words were true and sincere and, and this woman, uh, heard that sincerity in my voice. He said, I help you. I teach you what I know. And I never looked back. I mean, you know, I, I began taking over this pack and within a few months I was able to find a piece of land that I could lease and build some small cages. And, and, and I was there founding, uh, uh, Wolf Sanctuary, uh, uh, you know, flying off the seat of my pants. I mean, I had 20 bucks and, and zero knowledge about wolves. And like I said before, making every mistake in the book. Wow. I, I just find it so amazing because so many of us are like, yeah, I, I can't get started on this thing that I really believe in. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough ener- you know, energy. I don't know what to do. I don't have the experience. I'm not good enough. I'm not one of those guys. And I'm always amazed by these these types of stories, you're like yours, where it's just like, if I want it, I'll figure it out. I'll be willing to be uncomfortable. I'll be willing to take some risks. I'll be willing to look like a moron. I'm going to figure this out. Right. And it's beyond that even trip because I didn't know I wanted it. I mean, I can tell today that I did not want it. And if I if knew it today, the amount of sacrifice and, and work that was involved in it, I think probably a good idea that I didn't know what I wanted because I would have not done it. So what's your, what's your thing there? What, what, what came through you as that desire? I mean, how do you, how do you explain that to yourself today? If I, if I didn't know I wanted it, I don't think I wanted it, but I wanted it and I did it. Like, how do you, how do you explain that to yourself? Well, I talk about this a little bit in, uh, I think it's chapter six of the, of the book. In my experience, that the way I believe it, the realm of human realization is beyond me, 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 me. Me, myself, and I, what I want, what's my passion, my purpose, my meme, you know, my impact, the people I want to transform, my transformation, my life. All that is can take people a long way because most most humanity most of humanity is, is stuck in the mud. So all that um, drive and 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 direction can take us out of the mud into a good place. But you were talking about some people that you know that they have everything and they still unfulfilled. Right. It's because eventually that me, myself, and I, and what I want, and my journey, and my success will start keeping you in a loop. Mm-hmm. It will not really take you to self-realization. Mm. There is a way of having our life directed by forces that are beyond us, that are much larger and much wiser and much more encompassing and inclusive than anything we can ever fathom by ourselves. You know, I would love to say that I learned how to acquiesce to those forces. The couple of times in my life, 
that those forces really directed my life, I had no clue. You know, I was just taking some actions that were, could feel at the time impulsive, could feel at the time reckless, could feel at the time clueless, and yet I had no 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 choice. Mm. And led to one of them was leaving my country of origin, taking a plane with 600 bucks in my pocket, with a, a tourist visa to the States to find this guy that no one knew where he was for decades. The next one was starting a wool century, going to the desert to meet these wolves that I had no clue about, and then and then just being drawn to it. The third one was the way I met I, I married my wife. My my wife was pointed out to me by the wolves. How so? How did how did the wolves point to point out your wife? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a lot older than my wife, and and I always had a very heavy opinions about mature men uh, going after younger women. You didn't like the idea at all. I know I was very well. I mean, look, I, I you know, I, for many years I've been working with teenagers and so on, and so when I when I saw men in their 30s and 40s. Uh, poaching, that was my word, poaching okay. on, on younger women. I, I, I didn't have any amount of respect. And here I was uh, falling for someone that, you know, 20 years younger and, and, uh, uh, and the wolves were treating her in a way that she was constantly pointed out to me. Uh-huh. I mean, the way, and the way she, she still has this, this natural primal way to interacting with, with the animals that is, that is mind blowing. And I was extremely conflicted with myself. And, and, you know, for, for years, I took it to my year for, you know, many months, took it to my men's group. We talked about it. My head could not fathom what my heart was feeling. And then the way I was, I was directed one of the best decisions of my life to marry her. It's just, it's, it's a weekend in identity, right? I, I'm the guy who doesn't go after young women, or I'm the guy who is successful at this, right? We all have these stories we tell about ourselves and then there's some truth that shows up and it conflicts. It's like, oh, I can, we can get into that bind. Wait a second. I'm, should I start a wolf sanctuary? Or, you know, these, these questions like, wait a second, is that really me? Is that who I am? And it's, it's, can we, it seems like the real challenge is, can I get out of the way and honor that and honor what's coming through me and as me. And even though it feels so weird to this, to this identity that this story that I tell about myself, I'd love that you were, and I love that you mentioned your men's group there too, is, is great way to have some checks and balances there is we can bullshit ourselves either way, right? Oh, I'm scared to get into a relationship. So I'll come up with justifications. And then, or if I want to justify going with a much younger woman, I can bullshit myself to go with that too. So I love that you, you brought it in and got some reflections from, from your men there. When these forces that I was referring to really take a hold of you, this, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? I mean, you know, is, is this me? It's not, I mean, all that gets like kicked to the curve. Yeah. And, and, um, and this, uh, is, I mean, very powerful way of, of being. It reminds me of when I met my wife and I knew within a matter of really hours, I was like, holy cow. And I never thought I was going to get married. And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, we got, I, I would head over heels. It wasn't that kind of puppy love thing. It was just, oh, here we go. This is the, here she is again. Like I just had this sense, like we'd already known, like there, there had been this, this past with us and. And I just remember telling her after the last, you know, we we spent a couple of days together. I said, I don't know if this is going to last five months or five years or five lifetimes, but I'm fully committed to finding out. I'm not, I'm not going to go back to my life and act like you don't exist. So I'm in and I moved out. That's it. I moved out That's it. a month and a half later. I was, I was living with her. So That's I, you it. Know, I moved out of, out of, from Florida to Colorado. So I, I can, I can appreciate those moments. Just like, there's no doubt here. There's no, it seems crazy, but I'm doing this. This is what's happening now. 
That's it. So that's it. Okay, so you you got sixteen wolves when plus one, right? Your own, and you're starting out this crazy wolf sanctuary. But you're already on this path of helping young people and empowering young people in that way. So I, I'm curious, how do the wolves? How does that work? How do, in that process? How did did it? Was it obvious that that bringing young people together with wolves was going to be a healing process for them? And what did you see possible there? Initially, I thought I was helping young people on the one on one hand and helping these wolves on the uh, you know with the other. Because the story is that the wolves have been abandoned, and they a lot of these wolves were unwanted or they were a pain in the ass, and it, you know they're they're not normal dogs. That's that's my right. Yeah, that's something that you know I should clarify for your listeners is that uh, you know we are wolf dog, but wolf dog and wolf rescue organization. So all these wolves and wolf mixes uh, have been bred in captivity, sold as pets, or exploited at, a, at fur farms or in roadside zoos um, as entertainment. Or so they don't come. It's not like I you know we don't go into the wild with a cage, you know, a trap trying to trap, you know, white wolves and bring them into entertainment to become, you know, uh, ambassadors for humans. So these animals are already in a pinch. You know, they're usually mistreated, abandoned, confiscated by authorities that are illegal to own or being abused. And like I said, fur farms, you know, they're being raised and then, you know, uh, euthanized and pelted. Mm. So, so those are the animals that come to live with us. They're not eligible to being released back in the wild because they're just too used to humans and they would approach humans probably in the wild or go back into a cabin, you know, begging for food, that kind of stuff. And they will get shot. Right. And, and they're not eligible for being adopted as pets anywhere because they're illegal. So most of the time the animals that get confiscated by authorities get euthanized. So the best possible case scenario for them is to come and live the rest of their lives with us. Once they come to us, we res- rehabilitate them physically and emotionally, and we begin a certain, we can say training process, but we really uh, get him accustomed to to wearing a leash around their neck so we can go for hikes, to be accepting and welcoming of strangers, and to be, um, you know, uh, checked for injuries and just with medical checks. Those are, that's the extent of the the quote-unquote training that, that we do. Um, so back to when I was working with youth and then I have these animals. So what I did is initially invited a couple of, um, school class classrooms that I was working with at the time that I just recently, um, spoken at to come and visit the wolves. And I didn't have a curriculum. I didn't have a plan. They came and they met the wolves. They interacted with the ones that were approachable. And, and I began noticing this opening. Some of the openings that I was experiencing myself, I begin seeing in these young people. I begin seeing kids that are constantly frowning, all of a sudden laughing, uh, you know, beginning to be playful, beginning to uh, share stories, beginning to relate to the wolf, you know, the history of abuse and neglect of the wolf. They will say, well, that's my my story. I'm not alone. Right. And But I'm beyond not being alone the fact that the wolf story would prompt them to share without any talk therapy and sitting in a circle, now it's your turn, now tell me. None of that, they were just volunteering, you know, the opening was happening. So I began realizing that maybe I was, I had something in my hands that I could integrate. And that was a long journey. I mean, today the program meets, uh, you know, education uh, standards and uh, it's, 
meets a uh, probation department requirements for community service and uh, high school graduation essay uh, requirement. I mean, this is a very comprehensive uh, program that these kids get. What do the wolves get out of it? Because, you know, it's not like wolves necessarily, we don't necessarily, may not think of wolves as benefiting from being around people, especially if they've been hunted and, and pelted, as you said. So is there is there something that the wolves get from this process? Yeah. One is uh, the program is based on mutual healing. The kids that come help rehabilitate the wolves as much as the wolves help rehabilitate the kids. So in addition, so the kids don't come as the broken ones that need help, right? We are different from any most we use programs out there in that sense. For us, they're whole, they're perfect as they are, and they come to help us uh, walk and rehabilitate and feed these wolves, right? So that's one piece. Of course, the kids end up being from, you know, from the, the pariahs of the of the school, they become end up being the kids that run with wolves. So that's the other benefit. You know, they're that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. The other piece is that I believe that the wolves, the individual wolves, not the wolves as a species, but the, the actual 33 wolves that I have in the ranch right now that have in an energetic way chosen to come here as ambassadors. And there are other, other wolf sanctuaries in the country that are closed doors or they do just education, you know, biology education programs. And they're not, they don't have the kids every day at the ranch sleeping there and are like as involved as we are. So these particular wolves have a, their own mission to be of service to humanity. And if we're going to look into wolf as a species, you know, science is now confirming what traditions indigenous people have been talking about for millennia, which is the wolf is the first animal we ever associated with. We've been literally running with wolves for what seems like probably hundreds of thousands of years. There are now just a couple of new archaeological discoveries, once in northern England, where they found in a cave some human remains and wolf remains buried next to each other 500,000 years ago. Wow. Companions. 500,000 years ago. Wow. The last ice age started 110,000 years ago. So we're talking about primitive, primitive humans before language, before cave painting, before any social structure, before we were already, you know, running alongside wolves. And so biology, some biologists believe that or suggest that our connection with wolves, our memory of that connection uh, is dormant in our DNA. We have a, mem a genetic memory of that connection. Wow. I venture to guess that wolves as a species are interested in our, in our growth. They're part of us. They're part of our development. We're part of theirs is what you're saying, that we're intertwined yeah, yeah. in some way. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's in states of shamanistic dreaming, uh, the wolf had actually told me that they are the only species that cares what happens to humans. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I'm curious how th there's this thread of following this hunch, following this, I don't know if it's a knowing, but just allowing yourself to go into these places and, instead of I need to protect or I need to meet up, meet people's expectations or I need to prove how great I am. But there's just this thread of I'm going to allow myself to follow these knowings or these hunches or these callings. And go into places where I don't know what I'm doing, and it might seem risky from this from the place of this small self. But you're, you're called into it, and it and it seems like it just keeps to it keeps happening over and over again in your in your um, in your development. Do you have a sense of 
what's next? Do you have it? Like, is there, do, do, can you feel these, these emergences happening or, or coming like, okay, uh, it's, it, I'm going through a cycle and, and, and there's another one coming up. Cause I feel one happening in my life right now. So I was curious if you ever get a sense that uh, I think something's coming. Tell me about it. What, what do you feel happening? The, the thing that you, you talked about, about the knowing there's, there's been a, there's, there's been a flattening of my own spiritual development. I went through a big spiritual development years and years ago. And then for whatever process it, I had to go through a death, there was, there was a lot of things that had to go through a lot of dying and I had to find my own two feet, so to speak. There was a, I was, I was associating with my spirituality from a sense of, uh, the spirit's going to save me and going to rescue me and it's going to rescue me from having to do the hard work and you know, all the, all the pain and the ass stuff. So I felt this sense of like being betrayed or like, well, there's nobody there. And that definitely touches into my background with parents and that kind of stuff. So, but I, I really missed it. And I've had a hard time finding a reconnection with spirit again on these terms from, from an integrated place without feeling like I have to give up some part of myself, like give up what I already know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. It does. Yeah. So what do you feel is coming? Well, as you and I talk, there's just a knowing there's like a, yes, of course. Like I can, I can, I've had, I've had several of these experiences that you talk about in the past and it's, it's more of just, I'm, I'm open and available to them. And, um, but I can't, it's not something I can put on my calendar and be like, great, I'm just going to knock this out or anything like that. So it's more of just making myself available to it. So as I, as I listen to your story and I'm, I'm, coming back to my own and reflecting on my own experience, I noticed it's just like, am I engaging one or am I hiding out, distracting myself? Am I open? Am I open to the message? Am I open to the calling? Am I open to the teaching? That's, that's where things feel like I need to, I want to make sure that I, I stay open to those things. And then number three, I can't force this stuff. I don't feel like that I can force those things to happen. So I, I, it's about staying in a, in a place of receptivity instead of closing my fist and pushing things away. Does that make, I think that's what I'm, that, that feels right for me. It does make sense. And that's, and that's all a, a mental, mental, mental concatenation, mental process. It's, and right. I would say that, that my because, relationship to it has been very mental. Like that's the phase right. of development that I feel like I'm in right now is a very mental right. stage. Right. Because when you talk about, should I close myself or open the forces that are knocking at the door are the forces that are getting supernovas born and <laughs> black black holes engulfing galaxies. And I mean, doesn't really give a shit. The, 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 the thought the thought that you can you can keep it at bay is is idiocy at its best. So so that also the piece you know is something to give up on myself. I mean, it's everything to be given up. And it's everything to be gained from that giving up. Mm. And, and these forces are not here to destroy your life. They're not here to destroy your marriage. They're not here to destroy your career or, or your, your ability to, to father your children. They're, I mean, they're here to realize us. They're here to, and I'm going to say they're not, ben, you know, benevolent forces. They're, they're just evolving forces. Yes. And, uh, you know, these forces are not, you know, trying to help you, trying to bring you down. They're just, it, it's, it's just an evolving, expanding uh, life, is. life force. Right. Right. So it feels like your, your heart is already in, 
directing this evolution to an interesting, expansive, uh, balanced, you know, harmonious place. I feel ripe because I've got a, there's a, I can, I can sense that part of me. It's like, yeah, I've got a good handle on things. And that's always when I, the, the next phase shows up like the next phase right. of confusion and, oh, wait, I thought that I had a handle on how things operated. I, I've, I've had a few of those. It's like, oh, I recognize this sense of solid ground and now it's going to, it's going to get shaken up again. Not necessarily, like you said, in a, in a bad way, in a, in, but there is a destructive and a creative cycle. And I can feel, I can feel that ripeness for that 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 yeah. next cycle and that confusion is only here exactly exactly right so there's nothing that you can do or th- figure out that will really make a difference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so f- from here it's a there is no confusion confusion is only you know hard expansion hard breaking hard expansion hard breaking hard right and continue moving forward in that way that's what I was, that's what I'm experiencing. You know, it's just like, oh, wow, I'm feeling that expansion. Okay. Well, how, how do I just allow it? Just allow it. Don't, don't fight it. For us men, it's a, it's a journey of capacity. What do you mean? Yeah. Your ability to, to hold energetically your world. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, one of my main practices is anything that is thrown at me. I, I just, open to it and it feels it's going to crush you. And well, it's going to crush me opening. It's not going to crush me. If it crushes me, then it's not going to crush me while I'm constricting. And when you say that as men, we tend to, um, it's about capacity. How, what does it typically look like then if we're not opening, what does it mean? Yeah. What is that? What, what happens when we reach our capacity and we're not opening to it? Well, you get confused. You get confused. <laughs> you, get, you get confused. You get. Uh, you start. Uh, I mean, most of us was gonna go into ang- angry reactions because we, you know, men, we are very good at that. So we're gonna go into uh, angry or, or lashing or imagine a, a, a water pipe, right? That is running at its full capacity, and then you a hose, so you squish it. Yeah. So now the water is pushing against the walls. Painful. Right, right. It's going to create, yeah, right. Really so the, the, the more you can keep that water pipe open and, and let, um, and you both, I mean, as men, you know, we are really the, our energy is the water going through the pipe, right? Mm. It's the penetrating um, energy of force, constricting, retrieves that penetration. It's like an electrical circuit. I, I went through years where I was trying to fight back grief and... The, the thing that helped me make sense of it was that the, the, the harder that I fought that it was like an electrical current that had too much resistance. It just blew. Like I just couldn't hold it anymore. It was too much heat and there was too much, I was bound up. And then when I just allowed that emotional energy to flow through me and have those tears and have that wailing and have that pain, it moved, it moved through the circuit and there was healing there was that I could feel that expansiveness in this, but, but we're not taught that in our culture. We're taught to resist no. and to posture and to hold it all, quote, hold it all together and be in control. But that, in my experience, when I do that, and I do that from time to time, it's just, it's like, oh my God, it's exhausting. It's so painful. And, and that's what brings up the, the, the toxicity and the resentment and this like pissiness that I have towards the world is I'm resisting something. I'm resisting what just naturally wants to flow through me. Yeah. 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 We are this uh, primal equipment 
that is designed to to process and circulate. Mm. Right? Our bodies, our nervous system is designed to process and circulate. And then and then we have the body, the nervous you know, the nervous system is an electric current, and then we have our energetic field. Yeah. That is is uh, even a much bigger uh, uh, processing and circulation uh, apparatus. You know, we constrict it, and then you know it takes so much effort to just hold back the circulation, opposed to just. Uh, and, but that's a mental confusion that uh, we don't want to get hurt. Right. It's a, def- as if, it's a defense. As if, yeah, as if getting hurt would be such a big deal. <laughs> well, that's easy to say, but okay, so. Tell me that. Tell, from your perspective, why why is getting hurt possibly not such a big deal? I know for a fact it's not. We get we get back, we take a punch, we get back up. Well, look, I mean, you can equate getting hurt with being alive. You know, if you wake up in the morning and walk out your door, I guarantee you're gonna get hurt sooner or later. Mm. Someone is gonna promise something. That, you know, someone's gonna break a promise. Someone's gonna tell you I love you, and then and then. Fuck your neighbor. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it, that's the nature of, of expectations and the nature of, of attachment and the nature of bonding, the nature of, you know, and it be, it's so, so catastrophic to us because we make it such a big deal. It's not supposed to happen when it's actually part of the program. Right. And then we build up so much hurt on top of that, you know, the resentment, all the anger, all the shutdown, all the I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to be in relationship. I mean, we, we make this overarching statements that I never going to do this again because this one time something happened. I never want to feel that way again. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. It's existential insanity. Yeah. Insanity. I mean, this come from a man. I I didn't know what I I was signing up for when I, when I started the wolf sanctuary, we rescued now in the 10 years that we had 70 or 80 wolves total. Uh, you know, I have 30, so 50 of them died in the same in the same period, mm. and the, and these are these are our children. I mean, we keep them for their life. Some of them are with us 10 years, eight years, seven years. We have animals that we got as puppies 10 years ago, and they're still with us, right? And they died, and they, and and each one is a, a heartbreak that I cannot tell you. Oh. I mean, this is. And and now we now it's part of the culture of the organization is is the culture of heartbreak, heartbroken open. And then healing and heartbroken open and healing and heartbroken open and healing over and over and over and over. Not resisting it, but allowing it. Uh, it's just part of the process instead of what do I have to do to protect myself from this? Because I think that what we're really saying here is that when we block ourselves from that, we block ourselves from that that heart path that you're talking about, we're, we're, that, that love that we can experience, or that sense of life that we're here to experience. Yeah. And we block ourselves from experiencing an extraordinary life. Mm. An extraordinary life and a life of risk, of abundance, of, of generosity, of inclusion, of expansion comes with hurt. Yes. Yeah. I remember oh, after my daughter like, was I remember after yeah. my daughter was born and I was just looking at her in the crib and I had, had this huge um you know, the heart opening that that happens, you know, looking at your looking at my child and and I was just like and the first thing I thought was she's gonna die one day. <laughs> It's just like, and there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. And it, it was, I just felt that contraction of like, I, I don't want to ever, I don't want that to ever happen. Right. And, but it was like, well, I can't stop. I can't stop loving her. I can't protect myself from that one inevitability. So let's, I made an agreement with myself, just love, love fully, just go for it. And, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I, I love it. 
I like to see it. <sighs> yeah. I I got the opportunity to go to the Wolf Connection. It's an it's an amazing facility. One, it's it's it, the it's just a, a cool place to go to and to be able to hike and to be able to hike with the, with the wolves and to be able to see them. And it's hard to describe what it's like to be around them. It's not being you're not around dogs. There's not right. even though there's there's a bit of dog in some of the breeds, but it's a it's a different experience. It also doesn't feel like going to a zoo. Where you're like feeling sorry for them. There's a there's an element of thriving that they they are leading in a lot of ways. That they they are the ones that are um, bringing something forth in the experience. How, how do we contribute? If it, because there's the young people that are coming there benefiting so much, the wolves are benefiting so much. It's a, it's a great win win. So how do we contribute if if we want to help Wolf Connection move along? Well, going to the website wolfconnection.org is a good place to start. Uh, get more informed and and uh, get involved. Uh, donations are always welcome. Uh, the place uh, exists and thrives thanks to people that care. Um, we are opening the doors now for some of the people we were you and I were talking about earlier. I mean, I'm this year I'm doing the first um, wolf warrior training. So this is a training for men. It's a three-day, two nights with the wolves at the ranch, completely immersive, and I'm going to be leading that. Uh, we've been doing a women and wolves training. So this is this is for for more affluent, more um, adults that want to experience. I mean, Wolf Connection, you know, we primarily help in the next generation and youth in foster care and in prison and with drug addictions and in gang members. And the facility is really designed to serve and impact uh, everybody. You know, the world have a message for all of us, mm-hmm. not just the, the, the ones that with most, uh, most need. I mean, people can sign up for our newsletter and stay tuned and see if they can want to participate on some of the, some of the more community-oriented and leadership, uh, corporate leadership training that we do. Okay, great. And then your wolf, the wolf connection, what wolves can teach us about being human. That's available everywhere. We can get that on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, everywhere. Okay, beautiful. Brother, thank you so much, man. It's been wonderful to, you, to hang with you. It's just, it's such an enriching experience. The last time we hung out, I think we had, we were eating big steaks together. So I We were. That. I still have the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh man, love to you, brother. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit the new man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.